Well, today we're going to finish the series of messages that we've been doing called Pursued. And uh, we've been in the book of Hosea now. This is our fourth week. And as we are finishing up that uh, story, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today that kind of speaks to uh, finishing. We're finishing the series of messages today. And as I was thinking about finishing today, I thought of this life truth that I've discovered. And this is the life truth that I've discovered. It is this, that it is much easier to start something than it is to finish it. Amen. Right. You good. How many of you have ever started a project that you did not complete right away? Yeah. The rest of you, we don't want to talk to you. All right. How many of you have a project going right now that you need to complete that you don't have completed? Yeah, thank you. All right. How many of you spouses are going, you better raise your hand because you know what is there, right? We have a, at our house uh, about a year, a year and a half ago, the grill that I was using um, got to where it wasn't functioning well. The, one of the burners wasn't burning. And the, the main problem was that one of the uh, legs broke off. And so it's hard to cook on a crooked grill, right? And so we went out and bought a new grill, took it up, put it together. But we had, we, I say we as if it's Susan's responsibility. I have not yet moved the grill from the place where it was sitting with the broken leg until uh, it's still there. And Susan looked at me a couple of days ago and said, uh, can you promise me that will be gone by spring? And so you're my accountability. I told her, sure. And it's still there. All right. And so we have things that are there, right, that we just don't complete. Here's the question I want to ask you. OK, and then, and then you, you help me out with this. Why is it so hard to finish things? Why is it difficult to finish? Because you want to start other things, right? Our lives are busy. There are other things going. We start a project. We want to do something else. Afraid of failing. That's what it is. All right. Find other things to do. Change of plans. The motivation goes away. Right. What's that? Sports interfere. All right. That's a whole nother sermon. All right. We're not going to talk about that. Okay. Um, you get excited about it at the beginning and then you realize this is a lot of work. You ever start a project and you think it's like a three hour project and it's like a three week project or things happen, right? And so we don't always finish well. You know, maybe you um, started painting a room sometime and you get going on it and you're excited. We're not going to hire the painters. We're just going to do it ourselves because we can do, I mean, we can paint, you know, we can stay within the lines and you start it and you get through one day. Woo, look at all that we got done today. And then the next day though, you've got some plans and the day after that and the day after that. And before long, you do what all good people do when they have a project in their house that's not quite completed. You Shut the door, all right? And just kind of move on, and then it just kind of lingers there. Or maybe you're one of those guys that's got a project out in the garage, and you've had it going for a while, and you're excited about it. Or, or, or you've got something that you've got planned to get done, and just hadn't had time to get around to it. Maybe, uh, maybe you've got a, uh, you had a family vacation, you thought, man, I'm going to make a scrapbook out of that, or a photo album out of that, or make a video out of that. And you got started on it, and it's still... Some of you are like, would you please stop, all right? That's enough of that. Here's the reason I want to talk about that today, all right? Because we've talked about a lot of great things about God over the last few weeks. We've talked about the fact that He pursues us for a relationship. We've talked about the fact that He pursues us with a passionate grace. We've talked about the fact that He pursues us with this relentless love. But here is what I think, and we're going to see in Hosea today a couple of examples of this or discuss it a little bit. 
One of the most amazing truths about God is that He always finishes what He starts. Right? Over in Philippians it says that I am confident of this, that He who began a good work, who started a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He is going to finish what He has started. And Scripture teaches us that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have gone on that journey with Him, if you have accepted the grace and the love and the forgiveness that He offers, that He is going to complete in you the work that needs to be done. The question is how much we will cooperate along the way. I was thinking about this a couple of nights ago when I was changing Ava. 19-month-old little girl. And Ava is at that point where at sometimes she does not want to be changed. Have you ever tried to change a toddler who doesn't want to? Some of you are looking at me like, no. So just anybody ever tried that? Legs are flying everywhere. Arms are going. And I looked at her at one point, my 19 month old daughter, and I said to her, you are going to get this diaper on and your pajamas on. It's going to happen. You just better lay down and accept it. It's going to happen. And you guess what? It happened. It wasn't easy. She tried every way possible to get free of that. And I thought about us with the Lord, that Lord is going to complete what he wants to do in us. It tells us he's going to carry it on. He started it. He's going to complete it. The question is, how much are we going to cooperate along the way? Hosea chapter 11, there's this little interesting passage. And what happens in the book of Hosea is the first three chapters are this beautiful story of love that God gives through Hosea marrying a prostitute. He goes back to prostitution and God says, go marry your, buy her back. He buys her back, brings her back into the home. And we don't really know what happened with that relationship, although we assume that it restored and that they built a life together. In chapter 4, though, the message kind of changes as it becomes not about Hosea and Gomer and this situation, but it becomes about God's love for us and His changing us and the way that He loves us. In Hosea chapter 11, we're just going to look at a couple of verses, but in Hosea chapter 11, there's this interesting thing where God basically says, this is how you don't do it. We're going to talk today about finishing well, allowing God to complete in us, working with God to complete in us what he's going to do. And what I want you to see today is that the Israelites, the people of God, did not do it correctly. And there are ways to do it the right way. Chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Verse 3 says, Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I love this picture. I took them up by the arms. It, It is that picture of a parent with a child walking with their hands. Before that time when you set them down and say, Come to me, when you're actually holding their hands and walking. And God said, This is what I did for the nation. But they didn't realize that it was me that had done it, that had healed them. Verse 4. He goes on to talk about this agricultural image. He said, I led them with cords of kindness, with bands of love. I became to them as one who eases the yoke of their jaws. I bent down to them and fed them. Now, Now, here's a picture God is showing us of what not to do. 
And so we're going to talk about the opposite of what they did in our lives to cooperate with God with finishing well. The first thing that we see in there is this interesting thing that he says, I called them, I said things to them, I went after them, and the more I called, the more they ran. So the first step to truly cooperating with God in this finishing part of our lives is simply to listen. You realize that we all have something called selective hearing, right? Right? That we hear certain things and other things we don't hear, right? Yeah, I got you, Randy. Yeah, some of you are like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. All right? For instance, I, I, I can tell this um, with my kids, really. Because if I ever mention the word, the cookies are ready, they never misunderstand that. If I say to them, however, I need you to pick up the clothes in your room, somehow that escapes them. Anybody ever had that experience? Any of you ever, any of you have spouses that have selective hearing? Amen. Yeah. Got some hands raised on that one in a Baptist church. That's good. Right. We have this selective hearing. In fact, sometimes it's not a big deal. It's just, you know, an inconvenience. But sometimes having selective hearing and not listening can be detrimental. Right. For instance, I found some pictures this week and I'm thought of these people. And here's what I what I'd like to do. I'm going to put the picture up on the screen and, and we're going to have kind of just our own little in your own mind right there, your own kind of uh, write the caption contest. You know what that is, right? Where you're going to write what you think the caption is to this. If you got people around you. Y'all can talk about it for a second. But these are kids that obviously didn't listen. Here's the first one. Apparently, the don't use the clippers went out the window, right? They actually have a name for this. You know what this is called? The reverse mohawk, right? I may try that next week. All right. Here's one I like. <laughs> Just call this pig liquor, right? Now, you know, unless they're sadistic parents, they were like, do not lick the pig. All right. Just kind of forgot that. Here, here's another one that I like. <laughs> uh I want to ask how many big sisters have done that to their little sisters in the room today. All right. But, you know, here's my favorite thing about this picture is how proud they are. Look at that. I got that marker up ready to go. All right. And the last one I just call painting day. Yeah. Some of you think that's cute. Some of you are like, how much did that cost? Like you're getting nervous with the TV. You got thing, you know. So sometimes not listening has consequences. Amen. Amen. Some of you are just still looking at the picture. All right. You may have to get that off so people can see. All right. So here's the thing. We need to learn to listen. Now, the truth is. A lot of us are like our kids. When it comes to the Lord and the relationship with the Lord, we like to hear good things. Love, mercy, grace, forgiveness. Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And those are amazing, great things. But God doesn't intend for us just to know the basics. He intends for us to listen to him on a daily basis. 
And part of what it means to be a passionately devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It's on the wall out there. It's on the bulletin you have. It's a part of what we've talked about for six and a half years. Part of what it means to be a passionately devoted follower of Jesus Christ is that we constantly, continually listen to him for guidance in our daily life. We are constantly seeking what the Lord would want for us. Now, sometimes people are like, I don't know that I want to do that. I'm a little scared of what he would make me do. I'm a little scared of what he would want me to do. I'm a little scared of what that would mean. But the truth is, God has no intention of limiting us for the sake of limiting us. God's desire is the best for us. And he created us to be certain people with certain gifts and talents to do certain things. His intention is for us to listen and be directed so that we become fully who He wants us to be. In fact, the whole purpose that God seeks after us, the whole reason that He seeks after us on a continual basis is because He desires to become fully who we are supposed to be. People say, well, how do I know when God's speaking to me? Pastor, I hear this sometimes. Why do you think God doesn't speak today like He spoke in the Old Testament? My answer to that is basically this. I think he speaks more today than he ever has in the history of the world. You know, in the Old Testament, they didn't have all that we have understanding of who God is. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, in the very first verse of the first chapter of Hebrews, it says that God used to speak in all kinds of ways. He used to speak here and there, used to do a variety of ways. But he has spoken finally and completely in Jesus. And we don't need further revelation of who God is because He has shown us who He is in Christ. And the thing that is amazing to me is that God speaks most effectively and most consistently through the Word that He has already provided us. And there has never been people in the history of the world that have more access to the Word of God than us. How many of you have a Bible somewhere? All right. How many of you have an app on your phone with the Bible? How many of you have been to a website with a Bible sometime? All right. How many of you at almost any moment of any day could find the Bible if you needed it on your phone? On the, it's, we're here. We've got it. The more I spoke to them, the farther they ran. It's not from a lack of hearing from the Lord. Now, that's not the only way the Lord speaks, but it is a way that he speaks. And hear hear this. God will speak through his word continually when you read it. Now, he speaks in other ways. He speaks through people communicating. You have more access to people communicating the word of God than you've ever had in your life. He speaks through other people in your life. Now, you always have to judge that, guard that against what Scripture says. And listen, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, and there are lots of people speaking lots of things that is not what God would intend. So it's not just to give it, well, they're saying it, then, ooh, it sounds good. You have to test it, but you hear sometimes through other people speaking into your life and saying, listen, I believe God has said this, and I believe what you're doing is not exactly right, or I'm so excited about the way God's using you. 
Sometimes God speaks through the inner workings of our thought process and our heart and what's happening inside. And we have that conscience and we have this holy understanding. The Spirit of God speaks into our lives, always balanced against Scripture. By the way, if you ever get a brand new word from the Lord that has never been delivered before, you probably want to check that out. He speaks through circumstances. Sometimes in the joys, sometimes in the victories, but most time he speaks in our pain. C.S. Lewis is famous for saying that God speaks in all kinds of things, but into our lives he screams in our pains. God is speaking all the time, all around you. You remember a few weeks ago, we had that TV set on the stage and we talked about having the old school TV that you had to have the antenna just right in order to pick up the reception. Well, that's what it is in our lives. God is continually speaking. We have chosen selectively to hear other things. And it means listening. God says about the nation of Israel, I spoke to them and they ran. And the more I spoke, the more they ran. First step is to listen. The second step in cooperating with God and finishing well is to learn to depend on him. Just to depend on him. Now, I was thinking this week about um, when I was growing up. And uh, every day of elementary school, uh, I remember going to, to school and, and, and going to class. And then there would come that moment that we had looked forward to all day long. Not recess, we're not there yet. Lunch. And I'd go to lunch and I would sit down and I would pull out my lunchbox and I had a really cool Lunchbox. In fact, I brought a picture, not of my lunchbox, but of a replica of my lunchbox. We got that where we can put it up there. There is my lunchbox. How many Dukes of Hazard fans we got out in the house? Amen. I'm really praying for some of you. I mean, Bo and Luke Duke were it. All right. They were my heroes growing up. I, I confess to you, I had a Dukes of Hazard birthday cake for four years in a row. Generally jumping over Roscoe Pico train coming behind, right? I loved it. I, I, I may or may not, when I have gotten my first car, slide to, tried to slide across the hood of the car and jump in through the windows because that's what they did. How many of you have no clue what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. The next youth series will be called Lessons from the Dukes of Hazard, all right? That's what we're doing, all right? It's amazing amazing television show. But anyways, I would get there and I'd pull my Dukes of Hazard lunchbox out. I'd flip that little metal thing, you know, there. They weren't worried about kid safety back then. Those things were sturdily made. Open it up. And inside, not only was there a really cool thermos. Y'all remember those really cool thermoses? Really cool thermos in there. Usually I had underneath the thermos a sandwich of some variation, which wasn't necessarily the best place to put the sandwich because when you put the thermos on top of the sandwich... It smushed the sandwich, right? And so you would get, you know, what I loved about it back then, I know why mom did that, because you know those little blue ice things? They didn't have that back when I was in elementary school, so you put the thermos on top, maybe a little cool. But it always was a lukewarm sandwich. There's just a taste to that, you know, elementary school sandwich. Have some chips in there, and then 
a treat of some sort. My particular favorite was the hostess cupcake with the white swirls on top. Right. That was like the best day when you got that. And you would do that. And here's the thing. Every day, magically, I'd open up my Dukes of Hazard lunchbox and there was lunch. I didn't do anything for it. It just was there. Every day, same routine. Get there, open it up. You know what? I didn't check it in the morning to make sure it was all right. I didn't worry about it. I just knew it was going to be there. I woke up every morning. I got up out of bed. I looked at my closet. Clothes were just there. When I was growing up in elementary school especially, they got washed. They got dry. They got put up. I didn't have to worry about it. It was just there. You know when I realized all that my parents did for me growing up? When I was the one putting the sandwich in the lunchbox. Right? When I was the one folding the laundry. When I was the one taking out the trash. Now, we have boys old enough to do some of that now. But my boys don't ever worry in the morning is there going to be lunch. When they get to school, they they don't have... By the way, lunch boxes today are not near as cool as they used to be. They open up those... Cloth lunch boxes, right? They open it up, it's just there. My boys depend on me. My girls depend on Susan and I. And I don't really think about it. For a lot of us, that's how we treat the Lord. I mean, everything we have comes from Him. And we just kind of take it for granted. He says here in Hosea, he says, I'm the one that brought them out of Egypt. Now, what were they in Egypt? Slaves. I'm the one that brought them out. I'm the one that taught them to walk. I'm the one that set them up. I'm the one that has been with them the entire way. And they did not recognize it was me. I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. I celebrated my 38th birthday just a few weeks ago. In the first service, I got groans. Ugh. 38, that's nothing. But 38 is closing in on a historical milestone for me. Right? I'm a couple of years away from the big four being at the beginning of the age. And I'm not as young as I used to be. Here's what's cool, though. One of the things I do love about birthdays now, and I know it can be, I know it can be cliche, and I know people... It seems like it's disingenuous sometimes. But one of the things I do love about my birthday is the Facebook thing. You know, people writing on your wall on Facebook, you know, happy birthday and all that. And I know for most of them, they get up in the morning and there's a list of eight people that it's their birthday. And they just write everybody, happy birthday. All right. But what's cool to me about it this year is for some reason, I just started noticing all the people and the places and the blessings God has brought into my life. You know, I think about, I'd just been in Dyersburg just a few days before my birthday, able to preach at my home church. And I think about how God brought, I mean, I didn't choose where I was born. I didn't choose where I lived. I didn't choose where I grew up. I didn't choose the church I was a part of. And God used that to bless me in such a major way. I thought about going to Union and a great school that got four years. And I had people writing on my wall that were a part of that experience. Teachers and people I went to school with. And then Susan and I got married and we moved to Texas. And I had people writing on my wall from Southwestern Seminary and from uh, Normandale Baptist Church where I worked while I was down there. And from um, Kinderplatz of Fine Arts Preschool where I was a teaching assistant. Right? I had people writing on that. I had a former student from Kinderplatz that just won some major writing competition right on there. Last time I saw her, she was four. 
And then I thought about Ripley. I had, I'd been at Ripley just a month before for the first time to preach since I left there uh, over six and a half years ago. And I had six years at that church of just precious people that God brought into my life. And then several people from here, from church and from just our acquaintances around writing things and just thinking how blessed I am that God has provided all along the way. A verse from James came to mind where it says that every good and perfect gift is from above. Every one of them. And so there are no self-made people in this room. None of you have pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. And for some of you, that's offensive because I've worked really hard. I've done a lot. And I understand that. But the truth is, everything good that you have in your life comes from the Lord. Amen? Now, we need to learn to depend on Him in the midst of that. He basically says they've tried to do it their own way. They've tried to go their own direction. And in the midst of trying to do their own thing and go their own direction, they have forgotten the One that is waiting to bless them and take care of them and sustain them. Every good thing I have was given to me and is sustained by the Lord. He doesn't change. He doesn't move. He just gives good things to His kids. So as we finish up this book of Hosea, we started talking about the fact that many of us try to run from the Lord because we're afraid of what happens if he catches us, that we try to get away from him because we don't know what's going to happen. We we talked about some of us don't just run from the Lord, that we run for the Lord. And we think about doing all this stuff that God will love us and care for us more. But the truth is that you don't run from the Lord. You don't run for the Lord. You run to him. And the key to all of it is one simple word, and it's the word surrender. He gives this agricultural image there in Hosea chapter 11, where he says, I, I, I tried to do everything for him. And there's this beautiful picture. It says, it lifted the burden off of them. Some of you got burdens in your life right now that you don't know how they're going to get lifted. You got family burdens, you got school burdens, you got financial burdens. You don't know how they're going to get lifted. But the Lord says, I want to lift those. I want to help you. I want to be part of that. And there's this beautiful picture it says, and then I stooped down to feed them. And the picture there is, it's literally throughout the Old Testament, that the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, stoops, bends down to our level to take care of us. And all we have to do is surrender. You know what the inter- international sign for surrender is, don't you? It's a white flag. There are some of you in this room that have been running from the Lord. You have tried to get away from Him. You have tried to run from Him. You have had something on your mind you know you need to get done and you won't do. You know the Lord's calling you. And all you need to do is to raise the white flag and surrender. Maybe it's a relationship that you need to take a step to repair. Maybe it's forgiveness that you need to offer. Maybe it's a financial step that you know you need to take. Maybe it's a trust step that you've got a neighbor that you know isn't a believer in Jesus and you need to go to them and talk to them. Maybe it's beginning a relationship with somebody that you know needs to hear about Jesus. Perhaps it's a situation with your kids or with your family. Maybe it's a lifelong calling that you have fought and fought and fought and fought. That you come up with new excuses all the time time, but you know God is calling you to it. And it's just time to raise the white flag. The Lord is speaking through His Word, through the circumstances of your life, through the people around you.
The question is whether or not we will listen, depend on Him, and surrender. Let's pray together.